Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Today on the show, one of these is a brand new partnership between our state university teacher prep programs and K-12 public schools that started just this school year. The other was founded in 1980 in Durham, but is now expanding and opening a new campus in Western North Carolina. This week we explore North Carolina Lab Schools and the North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with our headlines. It's a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, Eric Hall, superintendent of the state's new innovative school district, announced the selection of charter management organization Achievement for All Children to run the single Robinson County Elementary School in the new district. While Achievement for All Children has never run a school itself, it does have deep connections to the General Assembly. Its board and investors include former Representative Rob Bryan, who's pictured there, who wrote and sponsored the bill that created the ISD. The other key partners include mega GOP donor John Bryan, no relation to Rob, that bankrolled advertising and lobbying for the bill. Tony Helton, the CEO of John Bryan backed Team CFA that runs charter schools across North Carolina and the U.S., and Daryl Allison, the former head of the private school voucher lobbying group Parents for Educational Freedom. Now, the State Board of Education still must approve Hall's selection of the group. The New House Select Committee on School Safety held its first meeting last week, and as expected, members focused primarily on mental health support for schools. The meeting occurred three days before hundreds of thousands of students flooded the streets nationwide, including in the nation's capital and here in Raleigh. Now, unlike the committee meeting, much of the focus of the weekend's rallies and marches was for changes to gun laws, including universal background checks and limits on access to assault-style weapons. Finally, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos's budget proposal to Congress was greeted with a great deal of opposition on both sides of the aisle. Her proposal included eliminating money for after-school programs for needy youth and cutting a grant program that helps low-income students go to college in favor of spending more than $1 billion to promote charter schools and private school voucher programs. Congress left out nearly all of her requests in the budget that was passed last week and signed by the President. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org and read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. The North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics has been housed in Durham since it first opened its doors in 1980 in the old Watts Hospital next to Duke University's East Campus. Today we're going to talk about the school and its new expansion west, and joining us to do that we have the Chancellor of the North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics, Todd Roberts. Dr. Roberts, thanks for being here. Thank you. And with Todd we have Dr. Melissa Thibault. Uh, Dr. Thibault is the Vice Chancellor for Distance Education and Extended Programs at the school. So thanks for, for much for being here. Now, folks who watch our show regularly already know that I'm not an impartial um, sort of uh, observer when it comes to the School of Science and Math. My daughter is a senior there, so, uh, uh, which also means I know a little bit about the school, too. But, I, um, but the reason why, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was not just about um, the expansion, was we've had a wonderful experience at your school. Um, but I want more parents and more teachers and more students to know about it. So tell us about the North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics, when someone asks you, what do you do? What is its mission? What's it all about? 
well, first of all, thank you for allowing us to be on the show and share a little more about the school. And, and I'll say Cecilia has been a, been, been a joy to have for the past <laughs> two years. Um, so the, our school, as, as you mentioned, opened in eight, 1980, and we were the first school of our kind in the U.S., which is a publicly funded residential school focused on STEM. Uh, and so 38 years in operation now, we've been able to serve uh, over 10,000 students from across North Carolina, and students come to us from uh, we have 90, students from 94 different counties. Yeah, I think we have school. a map we're going to pull up on the screen uh, that shows where everybody's coming from. Yeah, and so it's um, so we've been fortunate over these 38 years to serve talented students from all across the state, and and um, our school, is, you know, was really established to help North Carolina move its economy from agricultural to textile and. Uh, and to grow our own talent in the state, and the state makes this opportunity available to families at no cost. And so it really does serve students from all over North Carolina who are talented and motivated and want to have this unique opportunity. Now, and I mentioned that it's housed at um, uh, the old Watts Hospital. It's funny, I, I run into people every once in a while that who, oh, I was born there. You know, I'm like, well, I've been in some of the rooms that were probably the delivery rooms. But, uh, but, but Melissa, this is uh, one thing I like to let people know, and I know you do, is it's not just the building, um, that you actually have a pretty big reach um, with, from, from online and distance education. Absolutely. We're serving students every day seated in classrooms across the state. There's students that take our online courses as well as the video conference courses that are broadcast daily. And those students are engaged in the same level of scholarship as the students in the residential program without leaving their home communities. So for some schools and for some communities and for some families, that's the right approach for those students. So when a student applies to, to, to be part of the school, there actually is an option uh, to be residential, which again, let's define that because again, some parents may not, this is 11th and 12th grade, and so the students who are residential actually come and live you know, in dorms on campus in Durham for the, the basically their final two years in high school. But, right. for, uh, so you, but you actually apply to do one or the other, right? Correct, correct. And um, we have students who, um, for whom you know, coming to campus a couple times a semester and in the summer, that's, that's going to meet their need. And that's what they want to be doing because maybe they are very involved in their home uh, community or have obligations with their families at home. So they're able to get the... Um, the opportunity to have school science and math courses on their transcript when they apply to college, that definitely differentiates them. Right. Dr. Roberts, um, if, if we've got teachers that watch this show, we have parents who have kids, maybe they're in elementary school, middle school, like what is the ideal NCSSM student? I mean, what should someone, or is there one? I mean, what should people be looking for? A teacher that wants to recommend that their student should think about this yeah. as an option. You know, I think it, the great thing is is the diversity of, of students on campus, whether that's geographic or learning styles and abilities. I mean, you know, one of the things is, is important. They need to be motivated. Uh, it's, a, it's a rigorous uh, academic uh, experience, and so they have to be also ready to leave home. As Melissa said, they, they're going to be away from home really two years earlier than they might have anticipated, and so students who are motivated, who have a demonstrated interest in STEM, uh, and that are willing to be away from uh, home for these two years and, and ready to live in that type of residential environment. But, you know, a, a lot of students, uh, whether they initially, they or their parents think they're ready for that, we find that uh, almost all of the students that start with us finish with us. Right, and, as, and I'm assuming that it's a, it's a great um, transition for college. I mean, if you're already sort of used to living away from home, it's probably good for uh, students. Absolutely, and the um, students that are engaged in the distance education courses, they're going to encounter online learning as well as everything, you know, straight up to telepresence when they're in the workplace. 
So communicating, effectively collaborating at a distance, these are really important skills for students to master, and it's great if they can do that before they even go to college. Now, Dr. Rose, let's talk about the expansion. This is brand new. School's been around since 1980, but you're opening a new campus in Morganton, in the western part of the state. Uh, sort of where did that sort of, sort of why expand now? Sort of where did this all come about? Well, we were fortunate that in the recent Connect NC bond issue, um, the, the state uh, provided $58 million for us to open a second campus in Morganton, North Carolina, which is about two and a half hours west, and really to help meet the demand. For example, this year we'll have over 1,300 students applying for roughly 340 spaces, and that's been true for many years. So there's a lot of talented students who, who want the opportunity to, to be a part of the residential program that don't get that opportunity, and so having a, a second campus in Morganton will allow us to meet, meet that demand, and we're uh, on track, almost done with the design of the campus, and it's scheduled to open in 2021 with the first class of 150 juniors, and then the second year we'll add another 150 and be 300 students uh, in the residential program when it's fully enrolled, and also will allow us to expand our distance education and summer programming as well. So 2021, so when, so when would um, students and parents be looking to apply if they want to select, I guess it would be similar to all you're going to, you would select which campus you want to be at? That's right. In the, in the, um, the application would open for, for this, uh, this year would be October of 2020, and students would, like they do now as they apply, have the option to choose the Durham Residential Program, the Morganton Program, or the online program. And sometimes students will say, I'm interested in all three, and I, I would apply to all three and then list my preferences in, in order. Right. Well, what are you so as far as the benefits? Is it going to be is the um, the new campus going to be sim I mean, similar offerings, something completely different? Um. I think the opportunities for the entire school to grow as an institution with the relevance of today's economy, with big data and energy and sustainability and agri-science, There's a lot of industry in that region that we can build on the economic uh, foundations of that region in order to try to create a program that really leverages where it sits. Right. And I think that's gonna be beneficial not just to the students that choose the Morganton program, but also all the students that we're serving through distance education because you know this is it feeds on that energy and those relationships and building those um, those courses. When we build it for one program, we can scale that and extend it out to the, to the rest of the state. That's great. Todd, last questions for you. I mean, now, as a dad myself, I, I'm guessing, and I know from some of my daughter's friends, the fact that there's going to be a campus in the western part of the state, it may make it easier for some parents to, like, you know, they don't want to see their babies uh, three hours away or four hours away. That um, I think that's probably one of the reasons the General Assembly was thinking about it, was that they, to open this up for, um, for families in the western part of the state. That's right. I mean, and we expect there'll be some students that might apply for that reason and others that haven't applied previously. Um, but we really are hoping that students make that decision based, it may be partially on geography, but making that decision based on program as well, because one of the, the, the real values in talking to alumni of our institution is the, the geographic and other diversity that students from all over the state get to interact and grow together. Well, great. Well, look, I appreciate you both coming on. Uh, I, I wish the school well. It's been great. And again, I encourage all of our parents and teachers watching to check it out and, uh, yeah. and follow what's going on. So thanks thank you so much. Thank you. So when we come back, we're going to introduce you to a brand new effort in the state, North Carolina Lab Schools.
Welcome back to Education Matters. North Carolina Lab Schools were created by the North Carolina General Assembly in 2016 and the first two started up this school year. Here to talk about what they are and what they hope to accomplish are Sean Bolson. Sean is the Interim Vice President for University and P-12 Partnerships with the UNC System overseeing the lab school effort. I uh, knew Sean from his days as a uh, Wilson County School Superintendent. So you've been in, the, been in the school systems here in North Carolina for a while. Next to him is Dr. Grant Hayes. Dr. Hayes is the Dean of the University College. I'm going to explain the lab schools because the College of Education really are the driving forces behind each of these schools. So, Sean, I want to start with you first. Um, again, as I mentioned, uh, NCSSM has been around since 1980. This is brand new, and I'm suspecting that most of our viewers probably have never heard of a lab school. So, what is a lab school, um, and sort of what is North Carolina's version of lab schools? Well, lab schools have been around for years, but our version is different. Um, our laboratory schools are, are public schools of choice, operated by our universities. Uh, the, under the current legislation, we're required to operate nine laboratory schools in partnership with local school districts. And we have a three-year window to open those, and so we had two of them open in the first year uh, at East Carolina and at Western Carolina. And so these schools really have a three-part mission. The, the idea is first to serve students from low-performing settings, to enhance teacher preparation, and also to enhance principal preparation. So from my days as a, as a superintendent and public school educator, we're, we're really addressing three of the big challenges in public schooling in North Carolina, which is, you know, how do we, how do we support those students in low-performing settings? Of course, the teacher shortage and teacher quality and, you know, quantity, and then, of course, leadership support as well. So this is an important effort. So, so, so there's, there's, two, there's two in existence now. Uh, it's it's going to be, what, up to, to nine? Is, is that correct? The, the charge is nine. Okay. We, have, we have three on, on track to open this coming year. All right, and, so, and, so, and I'm gonna, I want to get to Dr. Hayes because he he's, he's already right in the middle of it, but uh, just a, for you. So what, what a, a school like East Carolina, so they're actually partnering with the local public school district are they then, is the plan that you would, um, is it a brand new school that's, that's created or do you take an existing school that is low performing and essentially, uh, I hate to use them, take over operations or is it, is it could it be a, any mix of those things? These are all very much in partnership with the school districts. And so the models can be different. We're going to have nine, I think, very different schools, but that has a lot to do with what emerges from the partnership between the university and the school district. So in the case of ECU, they're operating a school on the site of an existing school, so they're sharing a site. Okay. Um, and that's also the case with Western Carolina. But when we move into Appalachian, Greensboro, and Wilmington this year, they'll actually all be operating school, like full schools okay. uh, that, again, they identified those schools in partnership with the school district. The school districts have, you know, opted into this, uh, but it's going to be a slightly different model for them. All right. Well, well Dr. Hayes, you're in the middle of it. Uh, I'm not sure when you um, became dean of the College of Education, you thought you were going to be running a, uh, <laughs> a, 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 what, I guess it's a K, is it K-8? Actually, it's a pre-K five. Pre-K to five. Okay. Yes. Um, we're gonna. We've got a little video uh, that uh, that you y'all produced uh, at the opening of the school, and we're gonna roll that so our viewers can uh, sort of see what it looks like inside and see some of the great people, and then we'll talk a little bit more. So let's roll that video. All right. Are you ready? You sure? 
My name is Tasha Rodriguez. I'm the principal of the ECU Lab School, and I want to welcome you all to our first open house. We have 75 students. We have one second, one third, and one fourth grade class this year. It's a place where there will be innovative learning, um, trying to do things in a different way to meet the needs of our individual students. We have a lot of innovative furniture. The technology in our classrooms are state of the art. We also have a Discovery Innovation Lab. That's where we will have hands-on scientific experiments focusing on science, technology, engineering, and math. We really want them to understand that learning is something that's fun. It doesn't have to be bad and, oh, I have to learn this, but it's something that they can be proud of. Well, Dr. Hayes, it certainly it certainly looks like uh, what I think of as a sort of the beginning of uh, any school year. You got a, you got a, uh, an excited, motivated uh, school leader. You got parents and kids that are wanting to check out and see where everything is. So, so tell me about your lab school. I mean, sure. what's it called, and sort of what is its sort of what's its mission? Um, we are called the ECU Lab School. Um, the mission is to really work with the whole child. And so we have a spectrum of support services in, additional, in addition to academics that we are going to work with the students. That could be environmental needs, that could be social and um, wellness and health. So we're looking at really working with the total child and everything that that child needs in order to be successful. Yeah, I loved, I loved when I read about that, uh, you know, the forum we, we talked, we've been doing some work around childhood trauma and adverse childhood experiences, and I, and I noticed in your school, you're talking about those kinds of sort of support, and also, because it's a lab school, that's, which means you know, experimental, you get some flexibility to try some new things. The school runs until 5 o'clock, right. which we know is something that is a critical, right, for, um, mm -hmm. for potentially, like, for, well, not just for all, for low-income families, but a lot of families <laughs> would like to have that. So what else is different? Uh, well, I think the university involvement and engagement with other colleagues across campus, not only the College of Education, but the College of Nursing, the medical school, the dental school, social work, psychology. Um, so we have over 325 faculty members having some type of involvement with the school and what's going on within the school. Uh, Sean, is, is, that part of the re is that part of the purpose of the schools is actually to you mentioned teacher pipeline, and these are the schools of education. Is this some real hands-on experience in the classroom um, before they even graduate? Yeah, unquestionably. I think one of the most important outcomes of this is for our university folks to have an opportunity to experience the realities of schools a little more directly than they may have in other settings. And so, you know, universities are about learning. We're about research and understanding. And so our goal is to provide folks opportunities to get in there and learn more about the problems of those persistent problems of practice that public schools face every day. And, right. and, we, and we think that, you know, with the level of focus our, our researchers have an opportunity to have in these schools is we can start, you know, sorting out some of those challenges. Are your, are your students embracing it? They are. You know, we have students who are doing the early field experiences in the school. We have student teachers who are placed um, in the school. We have faculty members who are um, daily on site, supervising student teachers, working with the in-service teachers. So um, they have fully embraced. Um, what's going on within the school. Now this isn't necessarily Sean, a scalable model. Like, we're not going to open lab schools and well, I mean a lot of universities. <laughs> but, but I think one of the questions like with charter schools, I mean this, there's, there's some similarities here and you know one of the promises of charters was that we would learn things and share them with other schools. 
Um, is that something that you're going to sort of focus on and say, what are, what's working, what are we learning that you can then translate to other public schools in the district and across the state? I think that's the greatest advantage of this model. Because, again, as I said, universities, one of our core missions is research. And what we have an opportunity to do here is share what we're learning. But we also have the opportunity, because we're experiencing it, because we're running these schools, that we're learning. <laughs> I mean, everyone uh, on these, these faculty, they're, they're learning new things every day. But we have that platform to be able to share it. So produce the research, share the research, contribute to training. That's where the real success has come. That's, that's what scaling this model looks like, is through the, the lessons learned, not from replicating things that look just like lab schools. I mean, we'll be able to share what we're learning also as demonstration sites because, you know, with our district partners, hopefully down the road, we'll be bringing people in to see what's happening in the schools and, and, and inform training as well. Now, with something brand new like this, I'm guessing that you've, you've lessons learned, I guess there have been some challenges too, right? I mean, you because you're not just sort of going into a, uh, just to start teaching, there's, you're, you're kind of running, running things. So tell me sort of with the last word for you, sort of for the challenges and opportunities. Well, I think one challenge is not only did we open the school, but we opened the school district. And so no matter if you have one school or 21 school, the same types of processes and reporting to the federal government and even state government, you know, is the same. So um, it's a lot more than about teaching and academics, you know, with nutrition and facilities and transportation, um, with um, students with special needs, you know, there's a lot of reporting has to be done. Well, I think this is exciting. The innovation is, is, is exciting. It'll be fun to see what you learn. We'll have you back as we get more on and see what's going on. So thanks for both for being here. Thank I appreciate you. it. After the break, this week's final word. As I mentioned earlier to uh, Todd Roberts, I'm not an unbiased observer when it comes to the North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics with my daughter just a couple of months away from graduating. But honestly, I was like many parents just a few years ago when she was in middle school and first brought up the school. I had heard of the school, I think I knew it was in Durham, and thought of it in the same category as the North Carolina School of the Arts, a special school for high achieving students who wanted to focus in on arts or math and science. Now, I wasn't completely wrong, but I can tell you that the School of Science and Math is much more than that. And it's a real treasure for the state of North Carolina that thankfully the General Assembly, both Republicans and Democrats for many years, have seen fit to invest in it now for 30 years, including this new expansion to Morganton. I hope that the new campus will reach even more students in that part of the state, uh, as I mentioned, whose parents may have been reluctant to send their babies off to a boarding school halfway across the state in 11th grade. Um, being a dad, I can understand that it was hard just 30 miles away. I'm also very intrigued by this new lab school concept we talked about with Sean and Dr. Hayes. If done well, um, it will provide new opportunities for some students across the state, the ones who are actually in these lab schools, but will also be a great new opportunity for aspiring teachers and our state's teacher prep programs to get their hands dirty by running a school and working in the classrooms. It's also a chance for us to learn to do things differently. Perhaps our legislators will see the flexibility that we're giving the lab schools on things like calendar and school hours and grant those to all of our public schools. 
why wait until these are low-performing schools to give them that kind of flexibility? We're going to follow up on the lab schools and see how they're doing. But I know most of the College of Education deans who are leading these efforts, and we couldn't have a better group steering it. That's it for this week's show. Next week, we're going to take a look at efforts underway at the North Carolina General Assembly to possibly break up the state's largest school districts like Wake and Mecklenburg. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.